that everybody who's here this morning did this morning, at least everybody who's older than the age of six or seven years old, everybody I'm thinking of did this this morning. Uh, it's a normal part of the morning's getting ready. What do you think I have in mind? Well, you might say brush teeth. I hope that's true. <laughs> I hope that everybody brushed their teeth this morning. But I'm not thinking about brushing teeth. Now, I'm thinking about looking in the mirror. Looking in the mirror. Britt said comb hair. And he, was on the, he was on the right track of what I was thinking about, of making preparations by looking in the mirror and getting yourself ready to face the world. You know, we use that expression, I, I have to face the world. Therefore, I want to see what my face looks like. I need to look in the mirror to make those preparations. Well, again, that's a part of our normal daily routine. Uh, check your hair. See if there's any dirt on your face that needs wiped off. Women, of course, spend more time than men, maybe because they're putting their makeup on and all of that sort of thing. But looking in the mirror is a common part of our daily routine. We do it for the purpose of readiness. There's a spiritual parallel to that that's mentioned in the book of James. James likens reading the Bible to looking in a mirror. Read with me James chapter 1, beginning verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. Notice here in the King James Version, it talks about beholding his natural face in a glass. And I'm confident if you're reading newer versions, it probably uses the word mirror there. Back in those days, they didn't have good mirrors like we have. And, and very often, to look in a mirror was just to look in some sort of reflective material, maybe a glass that had had something put on the back of it to make it reflect a little bit better, but they certainly didn't have the good materials that we have and the excellent mirrors that we have to look at. But that is exactly what James is talking about here, that as you look to the Word of God, it should be like looking in a mirror to see yourself, to see what manner of man you are. In other words, how you're living, how you compare spiritually. There are several important and significant spiritual points that we'd like to make about looking into the mirror of God's Word. And just as we look into our mirrors at home as we get ready to go out for the day, to prepare ourselves physically, we look in the mirror. Even so, we ought to look into God's Word to prepare ourselves spiritually. It's a pretty obvious kind of comparison, I believe. I think that's the reason why James used that comparison. We want to build upon that just for a few minutes in our lesson this morning, looking into the mirror of God's Word. We stop here just to thank you for being part of this assembly this morning. We're glad that you're here. We have a number of visitors with us today, and we're glad that you've come our way, and we hope you'll come back whenever you have a chance to be here. We're just trying real hard at College View to be a church like the church that you read about in the pages of your New Testament. We think the way to do that, obviously, is just try to pattern our worship, our work, our teaching, according to what we read in the New Testament. And so we try to have a, thus saith the Lord, a book, chapter, and verse for what we teach and practice. That being the case, if you would ask us, we would try to answer in that manner. Uh, we're not claiming perfection in that. We could be in error. If so, we would want you to point that out to us. 
But if we're doing what the Word of God says, as always, that's what we want and that's what we strive to do and that's what we need to take to heart. Doing God's Word in His way, uh, doing His will in His way is our objective. Thanks to everyone for being here this morning. What would be some of the points that you might take from looking into a mirror? And in this case, the mirror is the spiritual mirror of God's Word. Well, first of all, with any mirror, you need to keep it handy. You need to have it where it can be accessed and it's available for regular consultation. Money and Tina are building a new house and it's just sticks right now. The, the substance of the house is just beginning to take shape. But even in the very planning of that, they planned where they're going to have mirrors in their house. And where will there be appropriate lighting relative to the mirrors so that you can see the image in the mirror? Uh, why would you do that? Why do people do that when they're building houses? Well, we'll, we know that we will want to hand, have them handy so that we can look at them uh, regularly, probably several times a day. And in that same fashion, we need to have constant checks on the spiritual side of things by looking into the mirror of God's Word. In Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Notice the psalmist emphasized that he was thinking about the things that were in the Word of God all the time, all day long. Now, what would provoke him to do that? It wasn't a grudging thing. I think it's clear that it wasn't grudging. It wasn't, I have to, I have to read the Bible, I have to think about the Bible, I... I don't really have time to do this. I've got a lot of things I'd rather be doing, but I know I'm supposed to. Over there at the church, they're constantly harping on this idea of daily Bible reading, spend time in the Bible all the time. I guess I have to do that, even though I don't want to. No. Notice, he said, I love thy law. Oh, how I love thy law. He loved it. He cherished it. He valued the Word of God for what it could do for him in his life. And that's the same way we ought to feel about it. And so when we talk about regular contact with the Word of God, keep it handy so that you're always looking into that Word of God to compare yourself to it. It should not be a grudging thing. Rather, it ought to be something that we value, that we want to do. In the reading that Monty did for us earlier from Deuteronomy chapter 6, this was in our daily Bible reading recently, and in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses was, remember, we remember Deuteronomy being sort of Moses' farewell address to the children of Israel. He's about to pass away, and the leadership will go on to Joshua. And so he's given them sort of final words of encouragement and instruction. And in that, in that tone, he says in Deuteronomy 6, beginning verse 6, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them on the posts of thy house and on the gates. You know, we don't, have, we don't write the Scriptures on the posts of our house and the gates, but you know what we do do sometimes, and it's a really valuable exercise? Maybe we write a note and put a magnet on the refrigerator door with, a, with a, an expression from the Word of God, a phrase or a statement that we want to try to remember as the week unfolds. We remind ourselves. That's a good thing. Uh, and we need to keep the Word of God handy and constantly before us, uh, just like we would a mirror. You need constant, regular uh, looks in the mirror to see how, how's your hair. Uh, you know, if you get a smudge on your face, you want to check the mirror. 
we should also want to have the Word of God handy so that we can check ourselves against it. Another thing about a mirror is you want to keep it all visible. You know, when we take a shower in the bathroom, the steam from the shower very often will fog up the mirror. And sometimes, especially maybe if you're in a particular hurry, you might just clean off a small part of that mirror so that you can see just part of your face, just a part of yourself. I'll tell you, we can't afford to do that with the Word of God. We, we need to see the whole picture. We need, we need to take it all in. We need to keep it visible, all, all of it, where we are aware of what God's Word teaches. When Paul was bidding his farewell to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, beginning, beginning verse 26, he said, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you, notice, all the counsel of God. Paul said, I told you all about it. I didn't just, t- I didn't just tell you parts. Uh, there wasn't any picking and choosing here. He says, I, I taught you all the counsel of God. And notice as a result of that, he said, I am pure from the blood of all men. I think the implication of that is that if he as a preacher had not given them all the counsel of God, that he could not claim that he was pure from the blood of all men. I'm not pure from the blood of all men because I haven't told you everything I should have told you. But Paul said that's not the case. I am pure from the blood of all men. Why? Because I've taught you, declared to you all the counsel of God. We need it all. We need everything that's in the Word of God. Unfortunately, we know that a trend these days is to emphasize some parts of the Scripture and neglect others. And very often, the part of the Scripture that people want to emphasize is the, well, for want of a better expression, we'll use the expression the feel-good parts, you know. Lots of emphasis on the feel-good parts. And the Scriptures have got just a a considerable amount of feel-good instruction. But there are some who want to emphasize that exclusively and neglect the negative things that are in the Word of God, the warnings and and the instructions that urge us to change and and to repent and be different than we have been. Uh, There's there's just too much neglecting of certain parts of the Word of God. We need it all. When Jesus was being tempted by Satan, uh, in, in the course of those temptations, Jesus answered Satan and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the word of God. He was actually quoting Moses on that occasion too. But the point of it is, we need it all. Notice, we need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We cannot afford to pick and choose. We've got to keep it all clearly visible before us, all parts of the word of God as we look into that spiritual mirror. We need to keep the mirror clean. Uh, I know you ladies, maybe you men help out, and I hope you do help out with house cleaning in various ways, but as we're cleaning the house, one of the regular things that gets addressed when you're cleaning the house is you clean the mirrors, right? You want to make sure the mirrors are clean, that, the, that there aren't any smudges or marks on the mirror. Smudges and marks can obscure what you see. You might not see accurately if the mirror is not clean, you want to keep it clean. Well, spiritually, the smudges might be, uh, in regards to the Word of God, the smudges that need to be cleaned off might be our, our own prejudices, our preconceived notions, our, our personal preferences, uh, our human reasoning. 
Maybe the smudges on the mirror of God's Word might clearly be from false teachers who've perverted it and changed it and tried to alter the clear teachings of the Word of God. Uh, we need to keep the Word of God clean so that we can see ourselves as we need to see. In Galatians chapter 1, uh, Paul urges the Galatian brethren to deal honestly and objectively with the truth. He says in Galatians 1, verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The problem of these false teachers that Paul is mentioning here is that they were dirtying up the word of God. Uh, the expression here is they pervert the gospel of Christ, and that cannot be allowed. They were condemned for doing so. Those false teachers were being condemned, but also those who allowed themselves to follow those false teachings are being warned. We've got to stay strictly upon the clear and accurate word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The rightly dividing there in the King James Version is translated in the New American Standard Version, handling accurately the word of truth. And that's what we've got to do. Uh, and, and so when we suggest we've got to keep the mirror clean, it means we've got to handle it accurately. Uh, we've got to see it clearly. Uh, we cannot allow it to be smudged up and perverted. Let me also suggest to you when it comes to this mirror of God's word, You've got to keep it intact. And I guess I'll probably have to explain to you what I mean here. Can you imagine someone who has a mirror and they look into the mirror and the mirror shows some flaws about their appearance? You know, there's something wrong. But instead of correcting the flaw in their appearance, they reach over and take a hammer and just smash the mirror. Can you imagine anybody doing that? Well, that would be ridiculous, right? Uh, but again, trying to draw this very simple spiritual parallel, that is effectively what people do with the Word. Um, just recently on the Virtual Bible Study, we were dealing with uh, some teaching, some false teaching done by a Baptist preacher. Uh, of course, this Baptist preacher wanted to explain away baptism for the remission of sins. Uh, you know what he did with that? I, 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 after all these years, and, and having engaged and discussed with Baptists many times, this is the first time I ever heard this. But in regards to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, this Baptist preacher said, well, Peter was just wrong there. You know, when he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter was just wrong there. He didn't know what he was talking about. What did he do? Well, he just took a hammer to the mirror, didn't he? He just destroyed the Word of God because he didn't like what it said. Uh, and again, unfortunately, people do that. They just want to destroy or ignore, actually demolish the parts of the Scripture that they don't like. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, there was an interesting episode. I'm sure you've heard, you remember this story. Jeremiah, you remember, was issuing forth God's final warning to Judah. God's judgment against Judah was impending. It was imminent. It was going to happen real soon. They were going to be carried away into Babylonian captivity. God was 
revealing things to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah sent the message to the king. The king was Jehoiakim. Uh, and so he sent the message from God to Jehoiakim. And it says in Jeremiah chapter 36, beginning verse 22, Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai, one of his servants, when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard these words. Sometimes we talk about Jehoiakim's penknife. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure when you read that. It seems like maybe that servant Jehudai was the one who wielded the penknife, but he was doing it at the direction of the king Jehoiakim for sure. I didn't li- he didn't like what God's message said. What do you do? Cut it up and burn it. That's what you do. You just cut it out, throw it away. And, and again, uh, while we maybe don't literally see people doing that, uh, I have heard of a few exceptions where people actually literally, literally did take scissors or a knife and cut out of the Bible parts they didn't like. That doesn't typically happen. But it happens in reality. People do that with the parts of God's Word they don't like. For instance, maybe it's a doctrinal thing, like the necessity of baptism for the remission of sins. We were just talking about that Baptist preacher who basically took a hammer to the mirror or took a penknife to the message and cut out Acts 2.38. Peter was just wrong. He said Peter didn't know what he was talking about. Just cut it out. Throw it away. and You don't have to worry about it. Well, it's still there, of course. And we believe it actually and accurately teaches one of the conditions of our salvation. But there are some who just want to destroy that. Take a hammer to the mirror. Or it might be some other issue. It might be some matter of morality. We've known of people, sadly, too many people who have ignored God's plain teaching on subjects like marriage, divorce, and remarriage. God's Word is very specific on that, and the, and the standards of God's Word are quite strict in regards to marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Men don't like that. That's really hard. And it puts some people in a position of not being able to do what they want to do, and so what they do is they take the hammer to the mirror. I'm not going to pay attention to that part of the message. Or it might be some matter of personal purity and conduct. Maybe something like... Uh, modesty and dress. Uh, and, and unfortunately, even among Christians, there are way too many who allow themselves to be powerfully influenced by the trends of our society. And when it's pointed out clearly that the Word of God would say that what you're wearing is not what a Christian ought to wear. It's immodest and probably even exposes elements of your nakedness, as we use that biblical terminology. People would get downright mad about that and refuse to adhere. And basically what they do is they take the hammer to the mirror uh, because they don't want to hear what it says. Certainly we cannot afford to do that. And so have, have the mirror, have the, have the Scripture handy where you can consult it regularly. Take it all. Keep it completely clear and visible. Don't let it be smudged up or dirtied by your own preferences or opinions or even false teachings of men. Certainly keep it intact. Don't destroy the parts you don't like. Finally, and I think ultimately most important, make the changes that it calls for. What's the value of studying the Word of God if when you look into it and see where there are places you need to make correction, you don't do it? Go back to the text in James chapter 1 again for a minute. He says, 
uh, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now, get, get the imagery here. And I think James plainly intends it for us to be this way by inspiration. You're looking in a mirror. And as you look in the mirror... You see that your hair is just straight. You got you got the bedhead thing going on this morning, right? You know your hair is just sticking nearly straight up. And maybe there's a maybe you've already had your breakfast and there's a big smudge of gravy or jelly on your face there, you know, where where you where you messed up while you were eating breakfast. And you look into the mirror and you see that. You just turn and walk away and forget what you saw and make no correction to your to your appearance. James says that. James basically saying nobody would do that. He, he, James is basically saying that's just a ridiculous idea to even imagine. No one would do that. But he says that's what it's like if you hear the word of God, but you don't do it. And then he concludes by saying, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So what are you going to do with the word of God? Well, what we ought to do is when we look into it, we see our flaws, we make the correction. That's what's called for. In Luke chapter 6, verse 47, beginning, Jesus said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Our children talk about the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man built his house upon a rock. Building on the rock is when you hear and do what you're instructed. The foolish man built his house on the sand. It's foolish to read and understand what the Word of God requires of you and not make those changes in your life. And so, the Word of God is like a mirror. What are you going to do with it? Well, I think there's so, such, such easy and direct and simple applications of the principle. Uh, we understand looking in the mirror. We do it. We do it all the time. We do it several times a day. Take those principles. I think James is analogy there in James chapter 1, looking into the mirror of God's Word. Clearly, we're clearly intended to, to take away some things of a practical nature that we can apply in our daily lives. What's your situation this morning? Is your life right with God? Have you looked into that mirror? If you haven't done that, now you need to do that. And if you haven't searched out the instructions that are in God's Word, we urge you to do that. But if you have, and you realize that your life is not in compliance with what God requires, that you've not done the things that you need to do to be right with Him, then you need to make that change. If you're not a Christian yet, you need to become one by obeying that simple plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. We're anxious to help you in your obedience. We'd be glad to study more with you if you need that. If you're a Christian already but you've fallen away, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.